Welcome back to an all-new episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and this is episode 56, part one. In this episode, I am so excited to interview my grandmother, which I call Nana, on this show. Now, Nana has been through World War II, and many people think that World War II was surviving the Holocaust and, you know, escaping from Hitler. Many people don't realize that during World War II, there were different people all over the world escaping different kinds of terrible things. My grandmother was in Burma, where she was born and grew up, and she was escaping the Japanese. And Nana is here on Hebrew Hits to tell her story. Nana, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here with me. It's really such an honor. I know that we discussed that I was going to interview you many years ago, you know, when I started radio in 2017, and that just never happened. So here we are today. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. So Nana, let's start off. Tell me, where did you grow up? Where were you born? I know I just said Burma, but explain what Burma's like. Well, Burma is a very happy Go lucky country. The people, they don't care for riches that much, but the only thing when they see a friend or even a passerby, and if they get to any conversation, the first thing they say, Did you eat today? Like, <laughs> did you have a meal today? All they concerned, uh, were concerned for was that people were not hungry. That's so interesting, Nana, because you are. V- very into making sure that we eat. Whenever we wake up, whenever you see us, you say, did you eat? Especially to my mom, you say, Aviva, did you eat? Yes. I do that with everybody because that's the way we grew up, to make sure that the tummy is satisfied, you know, full, and then the person is happy, and he's, he can go on with life and do anything he wants. The people in Burma, when they see anybody... Towards lunchtime, the first thing they say, Taman Sapivi Lad, did you eat lunch? Nana, you taught me so much Hindi. You never taught me that line. So now I know. I'm so excited to learn more. I love it. Nana, by the way, has been teaching me Hindi. And now I learned to speak the language. Not the whole language, but part of it. And I love that that's your first thing about like giving food, making sure that people ate because you do not want people to go hungry. And did you go to regular school when you were younger? Like, let's say five or six. I know that you would tell me that there would be, like, a teacher come to the house, teach you how to how to learn, like, the Torah. You would study the Torah. Yeah. Um, but was that the only school that you went to, or you went to other school? No. In the beginning, when we were really young, we had the Hebrew teacher or master come to the house and teach us everything that contained with Jewish studies. And no, after that, we went and we learned, when we went joint school, we learned other kinds of stuff, whatever the school offered, with a lot of Jewish programs in it too. Burma now is known as Myanmar, and it's a very nice country. We never did have to worry being Jewish in Burma. People were very happy to be friends with the Jewish people because we worked, we were hard workers, all of us, and everybody was only too glad to hire us. 
In fact, when we went for a job, I was often asked to bring somebody else for employment because they know that we are hard workers and that's what they liked. That's really good to hear because honestly, I had no idea if you were brought up and there was anti-Semitism in Burma. I had no idea. So I'm so happy to hear that there wasn't. Tell me about your parents before we get into what happened in the war. I just want to hear more about what your parents were like and then we'll get into what your siblings were like. My father's family had been in Burma for since 1890s. They came there to do some business, which most of the time they did in timber because in the world over needed timber, and Burma was a good place where they had a lot of timber. So, Nana, now tell me about your mother. My mother came from Baghdad to marry my father. My father was married to his wife, and... Uh, Unfortunately, at a young age, she passed away. One day she was just coming from the beach, taking a walk towards the ocean, and then she, when she got back home, she didn't feel well, laid down, and uh, I think, I, I don't know exactly, and then in a day or two, just passed away. Oh yeah. So they were looking for another mother for the kids, the young kids that were left behind. So is that when they found your mother? They knew about my mother, that she was in Baghdad and not married yet. She was at that time 25, which I'm not too sure what it is, or 25 or 26. And most people at that age, at those times would already be married. But that girl, my mom, sacrificed stuff to stay with the family, to work and to support them. So Nana, tell me, what did your mother do as a job in Baghdad? My mom, as far as I know, was a Hebrew teacher. She knew French, Hebrew, and English. And she was kind of... I would say smart. People wouldn't want to say it, you know. She was was a very smart lady. What other languages did your mom speak? Does she now speak Hindi? So she was able to speak to you in Hindi as as a kid growing up? My mother did not know Hindi as a language. She knew Arabic, English, and French. But then when she came home to Burma, we had people who would sweep the floor or sometimes put away the vegetables. And the only way she could make the help understand what she wanted by taking the the vegetables and putting it and showing you the way she arranges it. And she said, you do it that way. You put it here here, here, neatly, and you leave it. So how did that help with her learning Hindi? Oh, because she she never knew any Hindi, but when she talked to the, to the help, the help always replied to her. First word was, huh, 
harm means yes, in, that she understood. And my mother, being very smart, was a, able to retain the words that were said. Nana, your parents sound amazing, and I wish I got a chance to meet them. And I really would like to know, you know, growing up in my house, I know what it's like to grow up in America, but what was it like to grow up in your home? Now, we already discussed what Burma's like, but what was it like? Was your house always filled with food? Was your house always warm? Was your house always like everybody playing games together? What was it like? As far as food is concerned, we had food, enough, enough, and more. In fact, the famous word for anybody coming to the house, and even in Burma, anywhere, when a friend comes over, the first thing they say, did you eat today? In other words, if you did not eat, we'd like to give you something to eat. It was known like that. Well, we had we played games maybe with, I can't think of like rounders, which is a game that you have four, four spots and you have a bat and a ball. And the ball is pitched to you and you've got to hit it. And then you've got to go and cover all the bases. There are four bases. And when you cover all four bases, then you make a point. And that's the way whoever has the biggest point is the winner of the day. Nana, that sounds like it's baseball. Yes, it does. At that time, we'd never heard of baseball. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So your rounders are called our baseball. Yes. I think it sounds like it. <laughs> it definitely does. So, Nana, tell me how your family was. Did you guys get along super well? Did you ever fight? Our family is maybe a typical family. Where I don't know. Maybe not typical, but we were very close. We may have had sibling rivalry, but never in a way that, oh, we won't talk to you anymore for life. No, it's not that. Every time we went to bed, before we did, we bear no hurt to anybody, and we make it clear. We want whatever was misunderstood will be cleared, and that we, the next morning when we get up, we are free to talk. And not to bear uh, any hatred or dislike for the family. That's how we kept together. We never fought, really. If we had any disagreement, we always cleared it up before we went to sleep. And that's amazing, Nana, because you always tell me that you, whenever I talk to you about anything, you say, Malia, when you get married, and you say it in your accent... When you get married, married, like with a, not English, but you know how you emphasize the D, um, you always say, the best marriage advice you tell me is never go to bed upset or angry. Right, because that's the best way. When you go to sleep, you're at peace that everything's all right with the world. And the next morning you get up, you talk like normal. Not wanting to say, ah, you did something to me yesterday and today I'm going to get you back. No. We tried to forget whatever had happened because sibling rivalry, that's what it is. We, we come and, how to say, just nudge at each other 
and rile them, but not to, we don't rile anybody to make it permanent. It's just playing around. So Nana, if you can give me a list of your siblings and where they came out of the family. Oh, the first person of the sibling, as far as I remember, is Auntie Hildegard. She rest in peace. She came, she was there during the war years, the first person in the house to go to work, where in our custom, no girls would go to work. They did not like girls going to work. That, they said, is a man's job. And uh, the women stay home and take care of the kids. But those times were not easy times. Man or woman, whoever was able to get a job, took a job. Who was the next sibling? The next sibling after me was Uncle Ezra. No, after Auntie Hildegard. Auntie Auntie Hildegard was Uncle Easy. He was a very good, kind-hearted person. And when he was young, somebody bopped him on the head, I believe, with a piece of uh, iron where it really hurt his head. And my mom, uh, how to say, nursed him for one month till he recovered where he was able to talk again. Yeah, but he was a, a very kind person. Who's after Uncle Easy? After Uncle Easy came Auntie Daisy. Oh, Auntie Daisy. She yeah. was a very kind woman. Yes. She, she would always see who really needs any food or anything. And she would not tell anybody. And very quietly in the trunk of her car, she would keep some vegetables, some fruit, different things, packets of tea or coffee, whatever, so that the person who's needy at least will have something to drink or eat or whatever. Wow. I know. I owe She was like a hidden sadekas is what they called her. Yes. 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 They referred to her as a sadekas because she didn't want anybody to know what she was doing. And who is after Auntie Daisy? After Auntie Daisy comes me. I was, of course, a very plain person. And uh, as you can see now. (laughs) 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 Nana is amazing. And I'm going to talk about Nana because Nana doesn't generally talk about herself. She's a very humble person, a very kind person. And the most amazing thing that I learned from you, Nana is that you let things go. Many people get hurt from other people very easily, and you always say, let it go, like, don't hold a grudge, don't let people, like, hurt you, let it go, let it go, let it go, and that's really what you stand for, is, like, just let it go. And another thing is that you have such emuna in Hashem. Every single thing is Hashem. You know, Mashiach is coming. Like, just right before we filmed the episode... Should I tell the viewers what happened? Right before we filmed the episode, my computer went, like as the computer generally does when I got a notification. And Nana said, whoa, that must be Mashiach. And it was my computer, but Nana's whole mind is thinking, Hashem is in control. 
Hashem is protecting us. Hashem can do anything. Hashem can do everything. And Nana is so focused on having Emuna and believing Mashiach is coming today and letting things go. So Nana, that is what I learned from you. There's no point in belaboring, belaboring how to say like ill feeling for anybody. Life is too short. And it's better to be friends and to enjoy one another than to hold a grudge. Holding grudge is not, you can't pay with holding a grudge. To be friends, you never know when you need the other person. In life, we always need somebody, no matter what. And friends, believe me, are one of the best to have. Nana still has one of her childhood friends where she lives in California. And I came to know Nana's childhood friends, not just this one, but a whole family of them. So it's amazing how my grandmother still has childhood friends. All like It's, it's just mind-boggling to me how her friends are real friends. They're family now. They're not just friends. Yeah, that's the way we are. We never forget old friends. I don't know how there's the saying, new friends are like diamonds. Old friends are like gold. Is that what it is? I don't know. I never heard it before. Something like that. I may have missed one or two of the words or simple put in another, another word. Yeah. The, the basic meaning is you, you always make new friends but they cannot beat the old friends that you have had. They are more loyal-like. It's not that the new friends are not loyal, but you always treasure the old friends because they are, they've been with you for a long time, and they know you inside out. Wow. Yeah. And you definitely, out of all the people I know, you have real, real, real friends. Nana, I could talk about you for the entire podcast, plus like a million podcasts. But let's now talk about the sibling who's born right under you. Oh, that is my brother Ezra. I think in our family, he's the one who had the most brains. <laughs> he would sit in the corner of a room and from the morning twirl his little hair like that and uh, he would be reading all the time, with the book in his hand, in the corner he's reading. Which one is that, Uncle Ezra? Uncle Ezra. Where does he live? Bobby's uh, oh, father. But Bobby's not father. Alive anymore. Right. He passed away. And who's the youngest one? Youngest one was Uncle Elias. He also passed away. He was Wendy's husband. And he was very good. I remember him when he was very young. He saw a bird up in a nest. And he was so afraid the crow would come and eat that poor little baby bird that he thought he would go up and bring it down and save it in a cage. But he didn't know you're not allowed to touch the bird because the mother will not have anything to do with the bird. And as much as we told him, he, he, he said, it can't be that the mama will not worry for her kid. I said, no, and we all told him, the bird will not come. 
So when he did that, he saw himself, the bird would not touch that baby bird anymore. So what ended up happening, it is sad, what ended up happening to the bird? Did you guys end up keeping it and feeding it? Because as you said, that the mother wouldn't come back. We tried to feed it, but the bird couldn't pick up the stuff by himself. It was too small. Oh no, so did the bird die? The bird died. Oh. A lesson, you know, if you, kids learn that when the bird and all is there, you just leave it alone for the mother to care for it. Yeah, wow. But it's, it's, he, your brother was thinking for the bird. Your brother wanted to do a good thing. Right. He meant, all he meant was, you know, I want to protect that little thing. He wanted to see it grow and to fly. Exactly. Nana, out of all of the siblings, which one would you say you were closest to? I think Auntie Daisy. Because she was closest to my age, and towards the end, after Auntie Hildegard graduated, Auntie Daisy and I used to go to school together and come back home together. So we built up a closeness. And Auntie Daisy was a very good person, good-hearted, you know, really good-hearted. So Nana, now we're going to start talking about close to the war years. So you're, you grew up in a nice family, normal family, as you said. You know, you had some rivalry. You never went to bed upset. At what age did you start sensing that there was something off, that, like, there was a war? Did you ever, did it just happen? Like, tell me how that, how, like, how did you find out? Like, what was going on? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 56 of Hebrew Hits. With my grandmother, Nana, this was part one to her story, Stay tuned for part two. You can follow Hebrew Hits on YouTube at Hebrew Hits Radio. We are available on Instagram and Facebook at Hebrew underscore hits. And if you'd like to message me, reach out to me on LinkedIn at Malia Feibelson. Send me a message, leave a comment, leave a rating, leave a review. We'll be back next time. I can't wait for you to hear part two.